The Weed Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SelmaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. Selmax Batteries offers a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. Selmax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, Selmax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, Selmax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON at checkout, all uppercase, and save big today. Semi-Batteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're talking NBA awards with Guy Boston sports writer Jason Yeager. Jason, welcome back to the show. Appreciate it, KJ. Happy to be here. So, as you know, the NBA season's starting up again in about a month, and it seems like the awards are pretty much wrapped up. I don't know that the voters are really going to allow these eight games in Orlando to affect their voting results and beyond that there are eight teams not competing so maybe most of those guys aren't up for awards but it's it's still some of those guys are still in somewhat consideration um certainly Trey Young for all NBA uh I know some other guys for the the all defensive teams and and stuff like that so I think the fact that those teams aren't there is also just another reason why you might look at it and say well, you know, we're not going to put a lot of stock into these final eight games. We have the majority of the season, the, the real season, quote unquote, um, is is what they're really going to the weigh in here. So I think as far as the, the award picks go and the All-NBA All-Defensive teams, they're pretty much locked in now. So I think this is probably a good time to go ahead, go through and make our picks. Yeah, sounds great to me. All right. So we're going to start off. We're going to run through each of the major awards, each of the six major awards. Then we're going to get to our All-NBA teams and all defensive teams. So we'll start off with the awards, and we're going to start off with with two because we just we ran through it before the podcast, and it's the same player for both of us. We haven't run through any of the other ones, so we'll have more discussion about that. But this one was was a, a one we wanted to make sure we kind of roped in together just in case we had similar picks. So uh, start off, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Give me both of those picks for you. We got Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course. LeBron has, has obviously had a great year, you know, leading the Lakers to a— uh, the best record in the Western Conference and and just dominating on that side of the the country, but you know Giannis has just had a, a special sort of phenomenal season, uh, almost thirty per game on on fifty four point seven percent from the field, thirteen point seven rebounds, five point eight assists. He plays phenomenal defense. He has the best defensive rating in basketball, uh, the best team record in the league, obviously. Um, and yeah, he's just really dominated all year. Anybody he's gone up against, it's it's been crazy to watch. Yeah, so Giannis, obviously, I think it's an easy pick. And I think, I mean, you mentioned LeBron. He, LeBron's close. Um, I don't think there's really anyone else that, that really made a good, great case for it this year when you go down the list. 
I mean, Jokic, his team's in a good position, but it's hard for a guy like that to win when um, there are guys like Giannis and LeBron who have much more gaudier stats. Their teams are in better positions. If Jokic was going to win, he'd have to. His team would just have to have an amazing record. Um, so Giannis is is the easy pick here to win back to back awards. Obviously, joining guys like Steph Curry, LeBron, Tim Duncan, um, who've won back to back MVP awards uh, in recent years. So. Uh, yeah, and, and you're right. It is uh, uh, pretty straightforward. Defensive player of the year, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, there's no one really competing with Giannis except Anthony Davis. And even then, uh, Davis, uh, a lot of people kind of agree, is tailed off in the second half of the year. And, you know, Giannis has just been a staple on that Bucks defense, which has been the best in the league. And I looked this up, and the Bucks possess the best defensive team efficiency rating since the Spurs in 2015-16, which was Kawhi's second year winning defensive player of the year. And he's just, I mean, the, the re, there's a reason they call him the freak, and it's its ridiculous what he's able to do on the defensive end for, for uh, Milwaukee, just roaming around, his arms able to get the blocks and steals he is. It, it's, I mean, he's built the exact way you'd want any defender to be with his athleticism and his length it's it's impossible for anybody to deal with that and um you know it, it, it's uh, no wonder why he's winning defensive player of the year now you know we both have him in that i think he's the favorite for both of those awards so he'd be joining i think akim Olajuwon and michael jordan is the only players to win uh that award uh both of those awards and um you know, I think that's it's it's very cool, obviously, and it's interesting when when you start to think about where Giannis will rank in the all time ranks once his career is over. Because for me, I really started to think, okay, so he's going to do that, um, and and you they mentioned some of the other guys that you know have done that, and I'm thinking, well, it, you know, is, is he now? Uh, you know, it, it obviously is a long way to go in his career, and he'll have to pass some other milestones. But just projecting it out, it will Giannis now be ahead of Hakeem Olajuwon? in the all-time rankings, and I started to think about it, and I was, you know, I, I think Giannis is, I mean, he's well on his way to being a top 10 player all time, but I think this kind of milestone will be what kind of starts uh, to get people thinking about stuff like that, and get, you know, start considering Giannis as, you know, an eventual guy that's going to be in that that pantheon of, of all-time NBA players. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you, you know, like you were saying about his defense, you, you look at some of the, the top defenders in the NBA and the, the guys with the best uh, advanced stats, and they're, a lot of them are, are Bucks players, you know, Dante DiVincenzo and, and Brooke Lopez and Eric Bledsoe. And a huge reason for that is because Giannis is such a good anchor for that defense and really just changes the, the entire dynamic of how teams attack them offensively. It's kind of like Kevin Garnett in a way for, uh, for the Celtics back, back in the day. So yeah, I mean, in terms of where he ends up, I think we're starting to get, uh, enter the point in his career where it's, you, you need to win a ring, you know, you, you, anything less than a, a finals berth is a definite failure going forward for him uh, these next couple of years heading into the meat of his prime. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he can hone that, that three point shot a little bit more and, uh, you know, just maintain this level of efficiency on both ends of the floor, the sky is the limit. He could be, he could, he has greatest of all time potential. Really, I mean, when you look at his his frame, the physical tools he has, and, and his skill set, he's he's it's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, uh, I think it's it's a little gaudy. I think people uh, would react that way. He needs that three point shot. I think if you're going to put him in that conversation, but look, 
LeBron James is in that conversation, obviously, and he he never won a defensive player of the year. Came close a couple times, I think. I mean, he, he's been on some all-defensive teams, but he's never really been uh, a guy that I think was seriously considered for that award. So, um, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And your point, especially about now it's time to win championships. And I think that really affects his free agency. And, you know, I personally don't think he's leaving Milwaukee. I haven't think thought that he's uh, leaving Milwaukee. But as he creeps more and more into that conversation as one of the best players of all time, the pressure to win a championship gets heavier and heavier. And if he doesn't do that in the next couple of years with Milwaukee and he starts hearing this noise, well, he could be one of the greatest ever, but he needs to win titles. Then, you know, that starts to really pull, you know, the strings a little bit in, in terms of, well, I, I like Milwaukee. I like the people here, but I need to win a championship and I haven't been able to do it here. And the second best player is Chris Middleton and I can go to wherever, pick your spot, New York or, and play with whoever else is a free agent that year or, you know, what have you, you know, pick any NBA superstar right now that's going to be a free agent at the same time as he is. So, um, yeah, th- there there are factors there that you start to wonder about Giannis's free agency. If he can't get it done with the Bucks here in the next couple of years, how much will he be kind of pressured into going elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't see him leaving next summer when, when he's a free agent, but certainly down the line, I mean, you're right, but, you know, if he doesn't win a championship by the time he's 28, 29, we saw what happened with LeBron, you know, where he took the Cavs to the finals in 2007, but it eventually got to a point where people are mentioning him in the same breath as as Kobe and Michael Jordan, and he had to earn it, and he, he definitely felt that pressure, and he ended up going to Miami, so absolutely a possibility. Um, I think if Giannis went to the Knicks, NBA Twitter would probably explode, but, uh, but you know, yeah, he's there, he's got options out there, obviously, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens for him. Yeah, I don't really think he's going to the Knicks. I, just, I know they have a lot of cap space, so I was trying to think of a team. I mean, Toronto would be another good one that yeah. you've heard uh, to play with Siakam, which would be crazy because I think Siakam's kind of almost like they're pl- like he's like kind of a Giannis light a little bit with the way he he plays the game as well. So um, and with a little better jump shot, so that's a little interesting. But um, but yeah, for sure, I think that you know, and and obviously you mentioned LeBron James. He loves Cleveland. More than Giannis loves Milwaukee, I think that's fair to say. LeBron grew up there, not not to say Giannis doesn't love Milwaukee, but um, you know that's just kind of what the pressure you face if you're an all-time great player and you you know you need to win a championship. Uh, all right, so let's move on. The next one, let's do Rookie of the Year. So who is who do you pick for Rookie of the Year? Uh, so this one's probably the most clear cut of all the awards uh, for me, and that's that's John Moran. Uh, you know, obviously he had a great year, almost 18 per game, on pretty effective percentages from the field. Uh, and almost seven assists per game as well, uh, leading that that Grizzlies squad to the eight seed in the playoffs. And I think that I think they'll hang on to to that and, and end up uh, playing the Lakers in the, in the first round of the of the playoffs. I, I like their roster, and I think Jaw has has had a, a big part in you know transforming that team from you know what was a bottom feeder the last two or three years to, to all of a sudden being, being really competitive. He's got, he's got that internal fire that, that, that everybody's looking for at the top of the draft. It's a rare thing. Yeah. You know, replacing a great player, a really Grizzlies legend in Mike Connolly and taking the team to, to higher heights than Connolly could the last couple of years. So, so that's really impressive for me. It's not as clear cut and I want to pick Zion you just can't. 
because he's only played 19 games. But if you compare the stats head-to-head, Zion has a better field goal percentage, a better three-point percentage, although the volume's low there. He has, uh, you know, more rebounds per game, more more uh, blocks per game. Job beats him a little bit in steals. The PER for Zion is clearly higher. The two shooting percentage is higher. So there's all this stuff that, that you, that, I mean, Zion is the better player. I don't think that's disputable. I think that if you it just if they're both healthy, if health's not a consideration, Zion is very clearly a better player than Ja. It was going into the draft, and that's still the case. But if we're just talking about the years they had, which is the important thing to remember about these awards that often people forget. You know, it's not just about who's the better player for MVP, for Rookie of the Year, for whatever. It's about who had the better year. You know, um, so and it's always about that for all these awards. So you have to pick John Moran. He, you know, especially and you're right. I mean, what he's done with the Grizzlies, getting them in the playoffs, and we'll see if they stay there through this play-in tournament. But that is incredible. It, you know, I don't think anyone thought the Grizzlies were going to be in that position. Obviously, the Celtics didn't, and it's unfortunate for the Celtics that it happened that way. But um, you know, you got to give credit to Jaw because he's really been the leader there, and he's you know taken the reins of that franchise that for so long was was held by. Um, Mike Connolly and, and Marcus Hall and, and really taking them to this this uh, great height. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, you're right. If if you're a GM and you can either pick Zion or, or John Morant going forward for their whole careers, you're picking Zion. Uh, he's definitely the better player uh, overall. But but yeah, I mean, like we were saying, he only played 19 games. That kind of disqualifies him in the eyes of, of most people. And and Jaw has has really just Put, uh, stamped his name on this season and really, you know, gave us some memorable plays and, and some awesome basketball to watch. So who's your sixth man of the year? So I got Lou Williams this year. Uh, and, and Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder seems to be a, a pretty popular name out there right now. Uh, and, and he has put up some some fantastic numbers this year. Uh, but I think Lou edges him out just barely. Um I think he's he, he's a little bit better at, at setting up his teammates for easy buckets. He averages more assists. And uh, j- just in a few uh, statistical categories, I was looking at win shares and uh, overall box plus minus. I, th- I think Lou, it, it's very close for me, um, but I think Lou has the slight edge here. Yeah, the battle between Lou Williams, Dennis Schroeder, and Montrezl Harrell, you can throw him in there too, is pretty interesting. And... It seems like Lou Williams still the favorite and still going to be voted Sixth Man of the Year this year. He's my pick as well, and it's going to be a record fourth time for him. He's already surpassed the, the points record for most points scored off the bench in an NBA career, and this is going to be the record. Um, he passing uh, Jamal Crawford, who he's tied with right now with three awards. This would be his fourth, and he's 33 now. So who knows how much longer he could do it? Maybe this is going to be his last win. But I'm surprised he is still the favorite. It still seems like he's going to win because usually when a guy wins this many times in a row, wins this many awards, there's voter fatigue sets in. And if anyone is even close, they end up winning the award. And Dennis Schroeder this year averaging more points per game. And it's, you know, you're right, the assists favor Lou. But you'd figure with that thing, voter fatigue, it always sets in. You'd figure Dennis Schroeder would get the nod just because he's the, the new guy in this category. And it's not going to happen, it seems like. It seems like Lou's going to win again. So that's interesting to me that it doesn't seem like voter fatigue is setting in with this award. It seems like 
it's almost the opposite. That people are so comfortable and so used to Lou Williams just winning six man of the year every year that as long as he's still putting up at least, you know, 18, around 19 points per game, people are just going to vote for him because he's recognized as the signature sixth man now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, I, I think I would put Monty Ginobili in there too. You know, as one of the those legendary off the bench guys, but yeah, you're you're totally right. I mean, he's just always made a living off of off of being a spark plug and being able to get in there and, and help out his team. And I, I do think that that Schrader has a a pretty good chance, just because you know, like you said, voter fatigue and and potentially guys just getting sick of voting for for Lou Williams every year when he's I guess he's not necessarily like taking his game to a to a whole new level like, like Schrader has this year. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, I can't think of anybody else I would have, I would rather have to come off the bench to give me a clutch bucket than, than Lou Williams in the entire NBA, really. So despite his, his age. So who do you have for coach of the year? So coach of the year, I got Nick Nurse. Um, and I, I looked at a couple other guys, Billy, uh, Billy Donovan and, uh, you know some of the some of those Western Conference coaches, uh, but but Nick Nurse, in my eyes, you know, coaching the Raptors to a to forty six and eighteen record, which is second in the East and third in the entire league, uh, after you know Kawhi Leonard's departure is was really impressive to me. You know, I think he did a great job. The Raptors have a very competitive roster, and obviously Masai Ujiri did a great job building a a great team there. But uh, yeah, I think you know, with with a player of Kawhi Leonard's caliber leaving like that, and for them to to pick right back up where they left off and basically perform at the same level almost uh, in the next regular season is very impressive. Yeah, I had Nick Nurse as well for the same reasons. You know, as, at least as far as the regular season is concerned, the Raptors. You're right; they're the same team they were last year, which is which is amazing. Uh, and th- there are a few guys that you mentioned that I find interesting. One guy you didn't mention, Mike Malone. Uh, he would have been my pick last year. I thought he was, you know, I thought that he should have won it, but I think he's lost some momentum in that regard this year. I don't think he's really going to make a serious case for it. Billy Donovan is interesting. And, you know, I think Chris Paul's gotten most of the credit for ha- that team's success, but Donovan, you're right, deserves a lot more. And I think they're, they're you know, it's the same vein. All, all these guys, Nick Nurse, Brad Stevens, who you could even mention, um, and, Donovan have all lost superstars with you know with Donovan he lost two with uh Westbrook and Paul George so um you know I think that all those guys they lost their superstar players and they had to you know coach around that and then coach a you know a newer group of players uh, you know with Stevens and um with and Stevens and Nurse it was pretty much the same it's minus one guy but it's pretty significant guy so they had to rework their whole uh, schemes and teams and stuff like that their offensive systems and they've done a great job so both of those guys deserve recognition ultimately the Raptors have a better record uh, they I think they perceive to have less talent than the Celtics I think the Celtics when you when you look at their stack their talent up against the Raptors I think a lot of people would just take those players over the Celtic uh, over the Raptors players and that's why uh, I think you go with Nurse because they have a better record. They lost, I think, the better player when you talk about Kawhi versus Kyrie. So I think that's why we both go with Nurse. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for the record, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Toronto. Uh, you know, they might not have the the same killer instinct robot Kawhi, Kawhi that, they, that they had last year to, to carry them through the playoffs, but... 
I think they're very dangerous still. I think the Eastern Conference should be taking them very seriously still. And, you know, like I said, they have a really well put together roster. They have championship experience now. So I don't think Toronto is a team that should be taken lightly. And, uh, you know, I could I could see them definitely making an Eastern Conference Finals run, potentially. Yeah. All right. Who's your pick for most improved? So most improved, uh, I got Luka Doncic. Uh, and this was probably the, the tightest of all. You know, there's a lot of guys uh, who are vying for this award. You got Brandon Ingram and, and Jason Tatum, uh, potentially Pascal Siakam again, just like last year. Uh, you could even put maybe uh, Jalen Brown in there. So a lot of different guys fighting for that. But but it, for me, Luka Doncic went from somebody who didn't make the All-Star team last year to undoubtedly a, a top 10 MVP candidate, maybe even top five this year. You know, he's averaging more points, more rebounds, more assists, shooting a higher percentage from the field, better offensive rating, better defensive box plus minus. He's he's had a, a really fantastic year, and for somebody who's just you know 21, it's it's also been very exciting to to watch him become one of the best players in the league. Yeah, I, you know I don't have Luca. I, I I mean I think we both thought he was really good as rookie year. I don't want to say that you're obviously you just think he's he's gone from being great to incredible, and that's that's fine. I just. You know, his usage rate went up significantly. I, I just don't see those major differences in Luka's game. I still see much of the same player that we saw in year one. I think the, fa- the fact is that he was just a rookie. He was getting his feet wet, and then he came into his second year. And, you know, a lot of players get the benefit of the doubt on that. A lot of players get the most improved award going from their rookie year to their to their second NBA season just because there is a, a logical level of growth there. So I think that... You know, that's fair. That happens a lot. I just, I don't see that much different about his game. I just think that he's a little bit more experienced and getting a little bit more uh, ball control than he had his, his rookie season. So a little bit more control of the offense than he had his rookie season. So, uh, you know, I, I don't go Luka. I'm actually just, I'm going to go Jason Tatum. And the reason I'm going to go Jason Tatum is this. I think the two front runners for the, or I think the front runner, I should say, for the award is Brandon Ingram. And I think going into this season... This is how I'm going to explain it because I I don't think Tatum's getting a fair shake here as far as uh, the the competition with Ingram for this award goes because going into this season, I think that a lot of people out there would have told you that they thought Ingram was better or at the very least that they were on. It was very close, you know, between them. You know, you might pick one or the other, but I think the larger NBA community probably would have, if you put a poll out, probably would have picked Ingram over Tatum going into this season. Coming out of the season, I think yep. you pick Tatum over Ingram. I don't think it's all that close. And another factor in, in me taking uh, Tatum over Ingram is just that I think the Pelicans system, you know, inflates stats a little bit. You, know, you look at Julius Randle's numbers when he was with the Pelicans. Okay, so the, 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 just there, there are certain guys that they can kind of bump their stats up a little bit just because of how fast they play. Um, so I just think for that, re- for specifically the first reason I said that I think that. Tatum's surpassed Ingram by a wide margin in NBA mindsets that he's the one that's really improved more if you think about the the you know when you're comparing the two um I, I just think I, I think that's why you pick Tatum and I, I don't think enough people are realizing that I can definitely see that argument yeah I can definitely I can definitely agree with that I mean uh in terms of in terms of comparing Ingram 
to Jason Tatum directly, yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, Tatum has absolutely surpassed him. Ingram has obviously had a great year, even despite that, uh, you know, stat inflation that, that you're talking about. Uh, you know, 25 points per game is 25 points per game, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, Tatum's doing it on a, on a really successful team. Uh, we've seen him in, in national TV games lighting up some of the best defenders in the league and, and, uh, you know, just, just really sustaining this wild stretch that, that he had after, you know, starting in end of January, right when he was announced as an all-star. So, yeah, I mean, also coupled with how good of a defender he is, um, you know, he's, he's definitely up there as, as one of the best players in the league already right now. And, and, looking at last season for him and kind of how disappointing it was. And obviously it wasn't just him and his skill set. They had the Celtics had so many chemistry issues and, and things going on in, ter- in terms of, you know, not being together as a team. Uh, but yeah, you know, a lot of people were kind of writing him off, I think after last year and saying, he, you know, he only averaged 15 points per game or, or whatever it was. And, and uh, you know, down, uh, not looking at his potential the same as they had before or, or right after that 2018 playoff run. So for him to kind of reassert himself like that and really explode onto the scene this year uh, puts his name in that in that discussion for most improved. Absolutely. And look, I know this isn't the end all be all, but Ingram's average jumped six points per game from last season. Tatum's average has jumped 7.9. So I mean, PR. Is, is pretty close. Ingram actually has a slight edge in that regard. Um, but, I mean, Tatum's, that's even more than Luka, I think. Luka jumps 7.5 points per game this season. And, and they're, you know, Luka's obviously an incredible playmaker as well, rebounder. So, uh, you know, Luka's, I'm not disputing that Luka's a great pick. But, um, I, that, you know, I think Tatum's has a good case, and I don't think enough people are making the argument for him. Um, so maybe I'm being a little bit of a homer there. I don't know. I, I just think I think Tatum's case for most improved isn't getting put out there enough, so I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. All right, let's move on to All-NBA. Run through your first team real quick for me. So my first team guards, I got Luka and James Harden. Uh, my forwards are Giannis and LeBron. And for my center, this is actually a tough one, uh, but I went with Jokic. So, you know, mm. all, all five of these guys are, are, are guys who, who put up really – godly numbers uh this year and, and just were dominating all year and in terms of the center position you know it was a couple different guys i considered uh anthony davis has played about two-thirds of his minutes at power forward this year or he i think he would have earned that spot um but you know he ended up being on one of my my later teams instead so so yeah i think Jokic has, has had a really good year and and he deserves that spot and the other guys you know, obviously are just fixtures of the top of the league and, and just top of the leaderboard statistically. So so I have Harden, Luka, Giannis, James, and Davis as the center. And, uh, you know, the NBA is going to let voters put him there because they're going to give him that sort of positional flexibility they do every year, uh, even though Davis mm-hmm. has often not played a lot of his minutes at center. But he, he's played enough that they're going to they're gonna allow voters to do that. And when I compare Davis and Jokic, I think Davis is, has clearly had the better year. Um but, you know, I think that it's fair to look at it and also say, you know, Jokic, he's really the leader of his team and Davis isn't. So, I mean, did, did you consider Davis for center at all or you were just ruling out, you know, he's not a center, I'm not going to put him at center? Because, I mean, some voters are really thinking that way. They're thinking, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to cheat, uh, but some, some others are, if the NBA is going to allow me to cheat, I'm going to put Davis at center and that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, no, I honestly just looked at it, you know, like that he really hasn't been playing center, uh, all that much this year. So in terms of picking a center, you know, I, I went with somebody else, but like you said, you know, if, if it comes down to that's, that's how they're going to vote between Anthony Davis and Jokic, Davis has, has absolutely had the better year. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think that Jokic has, has performed admirably as well. And he definitely is deserving of a first team all NBA slot. Yeah. Regardless. And I also think Harden, Harden to me, isn't getting as much recognition as he should be. I mean, you know, he's having a really, really incredible season. And I often think Harden is overlooked and undervalued in these conversations. I think Harden is, I think I think much more of Harden than a lot of people do. Um, I just think he's, you know, really an incredible basketball player. A lot of people want to knock him for the fact that he gets away with uh, the durable moves that he's able to get away with. But the fact is, the reason he's able to do that is because he studies the game so militantly and he knows exactly what he can get away with. He studies the fact that, okay, this is a travel, this isn't. If I don't put my hand on the ball until this exact moment, then it's technically not a travel. And he deserves more credit for that. And his ability to draw fouls is a skill that he deserves credit for. A lot of people don't like that either, but that's just a simple fact. That he, The fact that is that the goal of the game is to score as many points as possible within the rules, and Harden does that. And people, I think, want to you know act like he gets away with traveling. He really doesn't. He just finds these little quirks in the, in the rule and in dribbling mechanics that allow him to uh, do certain things that other players either can't do or, or you know just you know don't do so um i really like harden and i think that he's absolutely earned a first team spot and some consideration for mvp although i i don't think that he's a serious candidate this year yeah i can definitely agree with that i mean i actually wrote two articles now of mvp rankings for guy Boston sports uh and he was in my top five both times but but yeah i don't i don't put him necessarily on the level of Giannis uh and lebron uh, you know, just because his he is great, he's phenomenal, and and his percentages from the field are aren't fantastic. Obviously, that's because his scoring volume is so high. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the way he plays isn't always necessarily the most effective way to win basketball games, if that makes sense. Uh, but you know, with that being said, obviously he. He still keeps his team really competitive. He's putting up phenomenal numbers. And, you know, like you said, he's a student of the game and and figures out how to how to work the refs and, and work the rule book and, and score at a ridiculous level. So you got to give him props for that, for sure. And one more thing about Harden is he's the uh, first player to average 34 points per game in back-to-back seasons since Wilt Chamberlain. So, uh, you know, it, there is some sort of, there's something impressive about that. The fact that no one else is able to do it. People knock his game for so many reasons. I just think it's it's ridiculous to, to not recognize the talent that's, that's clearly there. And a lot of people think that also, like, people knock him for being a loser or being, you know, uncompetitive and stuff like this. Tarden's not a loser. Devin Booker is kind of a loser. Trey Young right now, who knows what's going to happen in the future of his career, but right now he's a loser. They they consistently lose basketball games. Harden's team is consistently in the playoffs. He isn't able, able to get over the hump against the Warriors. So a lot of teams aren't either. But Harden gets, I think, unfairly labeled as kind of, you know, the, the guy that doesn't win and everything like that, even though he, he's been a staple in the playoffs for a reason. So, um, all right, let me ask you this. 
Who is your second team? Why don't you run through that? So so yeah, I got a I got Dame and CP3 as my guards. You know, I think they mm-hmm. both had very good years, and I think it's a little bit unfair to to penalize Damian Lillard for not being in the playoffs when he does play in a, a very competitive conference. You know, I think the Blazers would definitely be in the playoffs if they were in the East, and he's obviously averaging almost 30 per game. In situations where we've seen we've seen guards whose teams aren't necessarily winning, but they still make All NBA. Uh, a good example is Kemba Walker last year with the Charlotte Hornets making third team. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Dame has had a fantastic year, and, and same with CP3 leading OKC to the playoffs like that when everybody expected them to be in the lottery. Uh, very impressive. Kawhi and Anthony Davis are, are two leading candidates for Defensive Player of the Year, and some of the really all-time great defenders, you know, even relative to the history of the NBA. Uh, and same with Embiid, you know, just obviously one of the one of the best big men in today's game, defensive stalwart uh, on that end of the floor, and a very versatile player on offense too. So, so I got Damian Lillard and Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis, and then Joel Embiid. So I have Beal over CP3. I also have Lillard. And I have Leonard as well. I have Tatum as my other forward, and I have Jokic at center. The only, th- I think the only two I really have to explain are Beal and Tatum. Beal, I think he's really had an incredible season, the best season of his career. And I think in just comparing him to Chris Paul, if you compare their supporting casts, I think Paul's is much better. Um, I know that he doesn't necessarily have any all-stars around him either, but if you were to line those teams up next to each other, I think that Four of the first five players I'd pick would probably be from OKC, if not five. I think when you run through it, Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Shai Gildress-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari may not be all-stars, but they're all really, really good players. I would say, like, if you're going to grade them out, they'd be the best a player can be without really being an all-star candidate. And I think Shy might be that one day. Um, but I just, you know, when you look at the two teams, I think that the Thunder's sporting guess is way better. That kind of explains the better record. And I think Beal's had just an incredible season um, scoring-wise. And, and leading that team, I, I know it's maybe not much of an accomplishment, but they are still ninth in the Eastern Conference. They're going to be in this uh, NBA tournament. So I just, I, I think Beal deserves a lot of credit when you really look at what's around him. And, and he has at least, you know, played consi- decent enough uh, to me to, to warrant a second team selection. And then Jason Tatum, I didn't have, obviously, I had Davis at center, so that was why he, he doesn't get on there for me. Um, and looking at all the forwards in the league, I think it's, I mean, forwards kind of weak this year. I'm with Paul George, Kevin Durant. They, Paul George didn't play enough games. Kevin Durant's obviously injured. So that knocks them off the list uh, for you know for me, and I think for most people, I don't think Paul George is making any All NBA teams. So um, you know that opens up the spot for Tatum, and I think when you look at all the forwards in the league, um, outside of that kind of uh, top tier of Giannis, James, and Leonard, I think Tatum is uh, the best amongst the rest. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. You will be seeing him for me shortly. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't you go ahead and do that third team NBA? So I got uh, I got Ben Simmons and, and Bradley Beal as my guards. I got Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum as my forwards, and I have Bam Adebayo as my center. So yeah, obviously, like we were saying about Beal, he's had a fantastic year. Uh, one of I think I think 31 players uh, to to average 30 points per game in a season. So crazy accomplishment there. And you know, uh, Ben Simmons obviously has 
some phenomenal defensive abilities to go along with a pretty good offensive game outside of not being able to shoot outside of the paint, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum have obviously both had phenomenal years, uh, and Bam Adebayo is somebody I'm really high on. Uh, I think he's he is one of definitely one of the best defensive players uh, in the league already, and his offensive game has really blossomed this year. He's averaging over five assists uh, per game from the center position, which has really helped Miami unlock that offense. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my final five. Okay, so I have. Trey Young and Russell Westbrook as my third team guards, which means obviously Chris Paul, Ben Simmons don't make my NBA teams. I think, you know, obviously both those guys are really good. I don't want to disrespect what Chris Paul said. I already kind of explained why I maybe knock him a little bit down, down a little bit more than everybody else does. I don't give him a lot of credit for what OKC has done. I give him some, but I think that the other guys on that team deserve a lot of credit as well. And Ben Simmons, the 76ers disappointed this year. I didn't feel like I should have two Sixers on NBA. And a big reason people love Simmons, obviously the defense is, is a big factor there, but he also stuffs the stat sheet with rebounds and assists and points. And you know what? Russell Westbrook does that better than he does. So I would also say this goes back to what we said about rookie of the year, which was that it's not about who's the better player. It's about who had the better year. And when I look at their teams and when I look at their numbers, I can't help but say Russell Westbrook had a better year than Ben Simmons. I think it's that simple. Ben Simmons team disappointed. Russell Westbrook's team Maybe did, but to a lesser extent, they're a better seed in their conference than the Sixers are in their conference right now, and they're in a tougher conference. And Russell Westbrook really picked it up in the last half of the year and really started playing well, so I feel the need to reward him, and Ben Simmons didn't have such a surge, so um, I, I take Westbrook over him, and Trey Young, I think, does deserve to be rewarded. I don't think that Hawks team is, is ready to really compete, unfortunately. Um, I think that he might not make the team because his his um, team has, has lacked success this year. But uh, I think that he, he's had a good enough season that I have to put him on third team. It's just he, his statistics are too good. Um, and then obviously Siakam and Ingram at forward and Embiid at center. Uh, you know, Siakam and Ingram, again, like I said, the, the forward position's kind of weaker this year. So, so uh, Siakam absolutely deserves it. Um, Ingram, he's had a great season as well, so put him on there. And, and the guards maybe might be my, my most controversial pick there. But yeah, do you have any serious gripes with my third team? Yeah, you know, I think Russ has obviously had a fantastic year. And that, that is a valid argument. He does score and, and rebound and kind of assist at least at the same level as Ben Simmons, if not better, definitely a better scorer. So yeah, I mean, for me, like like I said, what it came down to is, is the versatility of Ben Simmons as a defender and how he can you know, lock up big men and guards and, you know, wing players at the same time. Uh, so I think Philly can employ him in, in potentially more ways. Uh, and then also, you know, for, for Russ, you got to consider the fact that he's playing with a guy who is averaging 34 points per game and who can shoot from several feet behind the three-point line and who is such a, a focus for opposing defenses that, you know, I think it, it makes... Uh, Russ's job as a attacker from the perimeter a little bit easier um, but but yeah you know I mean regardless of all that Russell Westbrook has put up some amazing numbers this season and he definitely deserves that recognition so all right why don't you run through real quick both of your all defensive teams we'll get out of here uh, just give me first team all defense and se- then second team all defense so I got Marcus Smart and Ben Simmons as my guards, Giannis and Anthony Davis as my forwards, and Rudy Gobert as my center on the first team. And for the second team, I got a pair of L.A. guards, Patrick Beverly and Danny Green. 
Uh, I got Kawhi and Jason Tatum as my forwards and Bam Adebayo again uh, as my center. Okay, I, I I definitely like the uh, the pick there of um, Jason Tatum. Uh, my first team, pretty similar to yours, Marcus Smart, Ben Simmons, and then I have Giannis and Kawhi as my forwards, and Davis as my center. Uh, obviously, we, we had that that, that uh, Davis forward center mix, and then um, I had Chris Dunn and Fred Van Fleet as my guards, um, Jason Tatum and Bam Adebayo as my forwards, and Rudy Gobert as my center. I think Bam is going to be eligible at forward or center. Um, I think that, you know, he, he's in Miami's lineup. He's listed as a, a forward and they have Myers Leonard usually listed as the center, which um, a little weird because you'd expect that to be flip flop. But they like Bam playing on the perimeter and defending those those forwards, which makes sense, too, because Bam's such a good defender. So that's why we obviously both have him on our team. He's, he's really been incredibly versatile for that Miami team. Um, not only like he can protect the rim, go out on the perimeter. He's he's really the perfect uh, big man you want as a defender uh, on the defensive end in the modern NBA. So um, he's great. Jason Tatum really underrated defensively uh, still, and I think he deserves that kind of recognition on the second team. Um, and like I said, I mean this is this goes back to the fact that Paul George didn't play as much. Paul George played more. Maybe he gets on that second team, but um, unfortunately he didn't. Van Fleet, I, I definitely, I wanted to have a Raptor there. There are so many guys you can pick from. Um, Van Fleet, to me, though, I mean, people talk about Kyle Lowry and the fact that, oh, well, you know, they, they have Van Fleet. So people want to put Lowry on the list, but they say, oh, they have Van Fleet, so they put him on the best guard, and then Lowry plays off the ball, but he's still really good. I give it to Van Fleet. I mean, you know, if, if he's the one guarding the, the best guard every night, he also is, is one of the leaders in the NBA in steals. So, I mean, I, I think that he deserves that recognition because he's had, had a great year defensively. A guy that is, you know, proves kind of disproves the theory that undersized players can't be great defenders. Um, they're obviously not the first guy to do that, but um, he's had a tremendous season. He deserves recognition for that. And Chris Dunn, another guy that's had a great season defensively. Um, and my eyes were kind of open to um, listening to the things in the last couple of days. He's, he's just been stellar for Chicago. And, um, you know, hopefully he gets an actual shot to start somewhere and, and be a bit, a bit more of a prominent figure um, on another team. But um, he's been great there. And another guy I want to mention, I just want to say I'm totally stealing this. Uh, this is not my original idea. And if you want to hear the, the original, this this kind of take or this um, thought in its original form, just go listen to Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnold of his podcast where they just pick their all defensive teams. But they talked about Gary Payton Jr. Not that either of them put him on their team, but just they wanted to talk about him because he was so good defensively this season when he was on the court. And I went back and watched some highlights of him. And oh man, I mean, <laughs> there were a couple games against the Knicks where he was just mean to Julius Randle. I mean, he Julius Randle has like nine inches on him, and he was bullying Julius Randle. I think he had three steals in both games just against Julius Randle. And it was, uh, he, he had, I think in total in the two games I saw uh, that he played against the Knicks, he had 12 steals, which is insane. Um, so, I mean, hopefully Gary Payton Jr. is another guy that can kind of grow and, and get a, a better um, kind of role in the league and continue. Maybe he'll make one of these teams one day. He's not going to this year, uh, but he was really great this season too. So I, I just want to mention those guys as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that the other day, uh, his name going around uh, the NBA social media world. And yeah, th- those are some crazy stats. I mean, when, when you got a, a dad like the glove, you know, it's easy to see why the defensive instincts 
translated. So hopefully, uh, Baby Glove gets a gets a chance to to get some real minutes and, and you know potentially even maybe start on a on a team next year. So we can see what he what he can do. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Jason, thank you for coming on and doing NBA awards with us. We really appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon, hopefully with the NBA back in full swing. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, KJ. I appreciate it. All right, guys, you can follow Jason on Twitter at Yeggs0, Y-E-A-G-S-0. You can follow me on Twitter at KJDolGBS. Follow the pod on Twitter at Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.